Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Today, the message for October 22nd is titled, Grace Favor Trump's Religious Labor. Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Glad you're with me this morning. Uh, you're the closest thing I have to a church family, and I feel like I really am getting to know many of you that have been uh, faithful every week in following the teachings. I might want to just encourage you at the very start this morning that if you have missed any of the teachings since uh, October 1st, that you go back and listen to them, because uh, I'm not doing a series. I told you I was. this was not going to be a series. I've done tons of series throughout the years, where it's part one, part two, part three, part four, etc. I'm not doing a series, but I'm doing what I've likened to a train. We've got a destination. We're going someplace. And every week, I'm adding another car to the train. I'm building one week upon the next. <clears throat> so it's not going to be necessarily the same topic. In fact, it won't be the same topic, which would be true in a series. But if you miss one of the cars in the train, you're going to miss the whole train. If you miss one of the bricks in the wall, the wall's not going to be complete. So stay with me every week. And if you miss one, just go back and pick it up either here on um, the Digital Cathedral, or if you want to do the podcast. I thank God uh, that we have a podcast that's on most every podcast platform. And I know many of you like to put the, the buds in the ears and at the gym or go for a walk and listen to the teaching. But I'm just encouraging you, don't miss any because we're going to a destination. I want you to stick with me every week. Now let me review just a little bit. Here we're going to put another brick in a wall today, another, another car on the train. <clears throat> let me just review. Most of you know this, but when God placed Adam in the garden, the garden that he was placed in provided for Adam absolutely everything that he would ever need. It was all provided for him. Adam did nothing to earn it. He did nothing to merit it. It was just given to Adam so that he could enjoy, and all only directive he had was to maintain it, keep it working. It's an absolute picture of grace, absolute picture of grace. Um, grace is the favor that is from God that we do, that we receive apart from any of our works, apart from anything that we do to merit it or earn it or deserve it. It's, I like to call it a divine influence that produces effortless change in us as we simply rest in him. The only part you have in grace is to rest in him and to let him direct you. So it was an absolute, the garden was provided for Adam. Everything he would ever need was already there. So we could call it, uh, a grace garden, or we could call it a, a finished work. I have no problem with that. It's just simply a picture of all that God did for Adam, and Adam had zero to do with it. That's what I want you to see right off, because where we're going this morning, you have no part in it. It's all been provided for you by the Father. So the Son, the Father placed the Son in the garden, and uh Adam, and when we bring this up to the life of Jesus, the Father placed Jesus, the last Adam, in the kingdom. And just as the first Adam had a sufficiency in the garden from which he could draw everything that he needed, the last Adam was placed in a kingdom that carried the same sufficiency that Adam enjoyed in the garden, but now it was the kingdom. He placed the son in the kingdom, and everything that Jesus would ever need was provided for him. Now, here's, here's a startling statement. We're going to start moving into some realms and dimensions that may shake your world, may rock you a little bit. But Jesus said that his kingdom was not of the seen dimension. It's not of this world. Jesus said that his kingdom was within us. And can I just tell you this morning that the kingdom of God is within you. And with that kingdom comes everything you'll ever need. Now, if you have followed along, I think it was the, the second Sunday of October, we got into the fact that everything you'll ever need has already been created. It's already been provided. It's already been supplied. The problem is it's in an unseen dimension. And I think we did that then the following week. So you can see I'm, I'm kind of building progressively as we go here. But the point is this. First, Adam was put in a garden uh, that provided everything he needed. Sufficiency, total, it was all grace, it was all God. Adam had nothing to do with it. 
And last Adam, Jesus was placed in the kingdom that once again provided sufficiency. And when Jesus lived out of the kingdom, he's, he's beginning to demonstrate for us how we can live out of the sufficiency of the kingdom. Jesus drew from that resource that was totally unseen. Again, everything that you'll ever need in life has already been created, it's already been provided. And the catch is it's in the unseen. So as we unravel this over the weeks that are to come, we're going to get into some heavy things about how to move from the unseen to the seen. I think that has been the missing link in many believers' lives. And the Father has given me some understanding, some very practical applications of how that we can do that. What Jesus proved, however, in living out of the supply of the kingdom the Father placed him in, he proved without a doubt, that the unseen is more powerful than the seen. Let me just say that again. I want, to, I want that to get fixed in your consciousness. The unseen, where everything the Father has created for each of us, that unseen dimension is more powerful than the seen. Paul said this. Paul said, well, we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are temporal. It means they're temporary. They're this way today. They're that way tomorrow. They pass away. They're temporal. But the things that are unseen are eternal. As we learn to tap into that eternal kingdom, that unseen dimension, and learn how to begin to move the Father's provision out of that unseen to the seen, it's going to appear to us also that that unseen is far more powerful, has far more provision than what you are able to provide by your works, your effort, your striving, your sweat, your stress, your turmoil, trying to produce in a seen dimension. The Father's got a much better plan than that. Jesus was drawing from the well of the kingdom. And he has provided, the Father has provided for us the same well of resources in abundance that Jesus enjoyed. Jesus walked as a son, and as he walked as a son, we talk a lot at the Digital Cathedral about manifesting as sons of God. As Jesus walked as a son, and as we learn to walk as a manifested son of God, we're going to learn that we have access to everything that Jesus had access to. Jesus never lacked for anything. He never had to get down on his knees and ball and squall to God and ask him to come meet his needs. He, he never exhausted the supply of what the Father provided for him. There was more. In the kingdom, there is more than enough for every person on the planet. He, he knew how to draw from the kingdom that was within and tapped the supply that had been provided for him. And listen, Jesus had need that no man give him. When Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and some of chapter 7, Jesus gave a clear picture of how you and I can live the life that Jesus lived. I call it living the Christ is us life. Let me just read a little bit for you, and I, I want to show you how foreign this is to us because there's been we've lived through generation after generation after generation by our wits, by our logic, by what seems good to us, by what seems right to us. We've tried to live good and shun evil, and Jesus brings this whole thing into another dimension, bringing it into the kingdom that is within. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's what I call the constitution to the kingdom. Matthew chapter 5, the first 10, 12 verses are what I would call the preamble to the Constitution. But in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus gives us a lot of insight about the kingdom that you and I live in and how that kingdom functions. And I'm just going to pick a, a quick passage to make some, some real fast points this morning. Matthew chapter 6, let me pick it up with verse 25. Are, are, are you with me? The unseen is more powerful than the seen. Jesus said, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom that is within you has unlimited supply. Jesus learned how to live out of that unlimited supply, and he gives us insights, gives us revelation, how you and I can tap into that same dimension. I hope, I hope in these first few weeks of this train going down the tracks, I'm creating more questions than I am answers. 
I want to pique your curiosity. I want to pique your interest so that as we continue to unravel this, the destination of the train is going to be you living as Jesus lived. Didn't John say, as he is, so are we in this world? But we have not, nobody's taught us. No, nobody really saw, nobody really delved into this. Nobody had the revelation on how to begin to unwind this for each and every one of us. Some superstars probably tapped into it and kind of kept it to the, themselves. I don't, maybe they didn't know how to convey it or how to teach it or how to, how to spell it out. But we're going to get into that in the digital cathedral. And it's going to probably destroy some of your religious constructs. It's probably going to, to shift you in a lot of different ways. This passage of scripture we're going to read right here is a tremendous shift from natural thinking. Look what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. <laughs> right there just, just blew up some of you in your thinking. Because all you do is worry. You worry about this, you worry about that, you worry about things that are never going to happen. In fact, most of the things that you worry about never do happen. So Jesus just gave the statement. He said, look, if you're going to come into the kingdom, you're going to learn how to live in this dimension, stop worrying about your life. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? <clears throat> then he gives us a very practical illustration. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they don't sow, they don't reap. There goes that, that, that sowing and reaping thing that they taught you over in the word of faith that you've got to sow in order to reap. You sow into their ministry, you're supposed to reap a big harvest. I'm not going to run down that rabbit trail. But Jesus said, look, he said, let me illustrate this for you. The birds neither sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So they don't go through all the natural progression of how you take care of yourself. You sow, you reap, you gather into barns. Jesus is making a point here. He said, and yet the Father takes care of them. He feeds them. Then he says, aren't you much more of value than what the birds are? I hope so. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, wisest man, richest man, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, therefore, or the conclusion of the matter, when the Bible has a therefore, it means in conclusion. Therefore, don't worry of saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, the, the illustration of the Gentile would be an unbeliever, those that were on the outside. He's speaking, he's speaking to Jews here. He's speaking to uh, what they thought were God's people, God's favorites. So he says, for all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. All those hours you spent bawling and squalling and begging and pleading for God to come meet your needs, he already knew. You're not telling God anything he doesn't know. We're going to say more about that in just a few minutes. Now here's, here's, here's the key. Here's a key that I want you to get this morning. I'm going to drive this home hard. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So he's setting, in this passage of scripture, he's setting some kingdom priorities. He's giving some, some, some heavy revies on how we are to live, heavy revelations. So we've lived so many generations, let me say it again, we've lived so many generations opposite of this, trying to, to work it out, trying to figure it out, trying to work and sweat and toil, that when Jesus says something like this, most of the time we just pass right on over it because it doesn't compute. It doesn't resonate. It's so foreign to us. And what he's doing here is he's contrasting the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the tree of self-determination, the tree of you figuring it out, what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil. I go this way, I don't go that way. You figuring all that out with the tree of life. The tree of life is simply, I call it the tree of response. The tree of life, basically, bottom line, end of the day, is just hearing that voice within in the kingdom that is within and responding to it, saying yes to it. 
Each of those two trees produce different things. Paul said we don't look at the things that are seen. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's sense perception. He said because they fluctuate, they change. They're the source of stress and worry because everything vacillates so much. But the tree of life, the tree of response to the Father, is a key to the kingdom, and it contains, listen, it contains an eternal supply. When you, try to, when you try to produce by your own wits, by your own choices, by your own decisions, you know what it produces? Worry and stress. Hoping it works out. Not sure that it will. Always a mystery. That's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's what he's talking about here in verses 31 and 32. Let me read this again. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink or what you wear. For all these things the Gentiles seek, he said, but your heavenly Father knows that you already have need of all those things. So rest. That's why I say rest. the hardest labor you'll ever do is rest. Now let me just, this just comes to my mind. Rest doesn't mean you do nothing. Rest means you cease from your labor. You cease from, from your, your logic. You cease from what would seem best to you. And you begin to rest. You, 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 you lean into what the Father is saying. Now, he gives us the one priority. Whatever the scripture says, first or above all, you want to take special attention. So he goes through all this in, in verses 25 down through uh, verse 32, and he, he, he gives you illustration, gives, shows how the father takes care of the birds, uh, feeds them. They don't, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet he feeds them. He knows they have needs. So now he's going to bring it down into how this begins to function for you and me. He says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all what things? All the things that he's got done mentioning in verses 25 down through 32, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, where you live, because the Father knows that you have need of those. So the Father says, look, I want you to begin to tap into the same dimension that Jesus lived out of, the kingdom that is within. I want you to begin to draw out of that. And here's, here's a key, here's a secret to drawing out of that. He said, seek first the kingdom. That's the domain of the king. Seek, seek what I'm laying out for you. Let this become the priority. Digital Cathedral family, let me ask you something this morning. Where is your focus? Where is your consciousness this morning? Where, where is your awareness? Is your focus, your consciousness, your awareness on what you need, what you perceive that you need, or is it on the kingdom? Now notice in that 33rd verse, he did not say seek prosperity first. Didn't say seek healing first. He didn't say uh, uh, seek wisdom or knowledge or understanding. He said seek the kingdom. All these things, the prosperity, the healing, the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding. See, the kingdom is the source. I can't, I can't emphasize this a month because I know where we're going. I know what has been working in my life that I'm going to disclose to you as time goes along. But I'm just laying foundation. I'm just laying foundation. And if, that, if the kingdom has not been a priority of discovery and uh, my, signposts on your journey as you learn more and more, then you're missing the boat. He said, seek first the kingdom, the, te the temporary things. They're a band-aid, but what's carried on in the kingdom is, is eternal. The kingdom will produce one of two ways. Here's how the kingdom will produce. Here's how God will do it. Either he will supernaturally bring what you need to you, or he will lead you to it. Okay? Now, I wish I could just jump, jump the boat here and really get into some stuff. But I want, just let that settle in. When you live in the kingdom, you live by that inner unction, that perception, that voice that is within. That's kingdom living. It's drawing out of the unseen to the seen. You're, you're already doing that in some areas. I, I think last week I talked about, just for an example, simple example, you can't see love. And yet as you draw on love, it manifests in your life. It manifests in the life of other peoples. 
Now, I've told you that we're, we're, we're laying down some, some truths here. Grace is the foundation. Everything that the Father does, he does by favor. In fact, the, the, the title of the, the teaching this morning is that grace favor trumps religious labor. I can, I can attest to that. I tried to produce for years with religious labor, my dedication, my commitment, my Bible reading, my giving, all the, all the things that we were told we got to do so that God will bless you, smile on you. That was all my effort. That was tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've tapped into some things. And the foundation of all is grace. It's, it's the favor that comes from God on a one-way street. You don't have to beg for it, plead for it, receive it. It's just direct deposited into your life. And it's just now. This generation is finally learning how to pull some of it out, how to begin to live out of it. Now, that is the foundation. I said there's some truths that we got to establish as, we're, as we put another car on the train this morning. Last week, I, I hit one of it, and that is to understand that you as a new creation that walked out of the tomb with Jesus, you resurrected with him, the scripture says. You, you walked out a new creation. You went from death to life, his life. And that new creation lives, and the truth that we established last week is that new creation functions by revelation knowledge. When you're not functioning by revelation knowledge, you're not functioning as a new creation. You're functioning as kind of an old creation that you think has been made over, perhaps. Now, this, this Sunday morning, I'm going to drive home another truth, and it's this. In case you haven't caught it yet, we live out of favor, not by our works of the natural. If you're, if you're going to walk in the kingdom, live in a kingdom, manifest as a son, then you learn to live out of favor and not by the works of the natural. Now, if we didn't lay this foundation of grace down, being entirely of God, being entirely his work, as it was in the garden for Adam, as it was for Jesus in the kingdom, <clears throat> if we didn't see this favor on a one-way street, we wouldn't be able to get our mind around and renew our minds to these truths now that I'm giving you last week and this week. And there's two or three more that I'm going to hit in the weeks that are ahead. But about the first, second week of November, we're going to, we're going to get into pulling the, the unseen into the scene the supernatural into the natural. I want you to become aware of these things. Again, just let this stuff settle in. If you say, man, I'm, I'm not catching this, let it crock pot, cook it slow, ponder it, meditate it, think about it. We've laid the foundation of grace, and now we've said, look, as a new creation, you live by revelation knowledge. That means not by what you see naturally, not by what you feel or hear, but what arises from within. And second this morning, you realize that you live out of favor and not by all the working and sweating and toiling of the natural. We just got done reading it from Matthew chapter 6. Now, if you don't get a hold of these things that I'm teaching you, then you're going to live with one eye on the kingdom. This is where most people are today, especially church people. They have one eye on the kingdom and the other eye they're trying to figure out how they can do this stuff in their natural strength, in their ingenuity, in their abilities uh, that they have developed over sometimes a period of years. So we're, one eye, we see the kingdom. The other eye, we, we're seeing the natural. We're doing things like we've always done it. And so the kingdom is not having much impact. Double-minded man, James said, is unstable in all of his ways. And what has created instability in our lives as a, as, a, as a follower of Christ has been the fact that we've not really got our focus on the kingdom. See, so that's why we get frustrated. That's why we get anxious. And verse 33 of, of uh, Matthew chapter 6 said, look, the kingdom is sitting there. The kingdom is full of creative supply. And now it's a matter of you learning how to draw on it. And Jesus, in the preceding verse, kind of lays out a lifestyle. This is the way you are to live. Not to worry, not to toil, not to sweat it, because the Father knows that you have need. You can look. Take this to the bank. You can look for the kingdom within you to produce. And it will produce because the king upholds the entire working by the word of his power. He, he's the one that gets it. See, that's why it's, it's favor to us. Let me read one verse of scripture. And I'm going to hit on just how, how stable and powerful 
this kingdom really is. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. This is, this is, this is a kind of description of, of your daddy. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Who is speaking about the power of Christ the, the, that the Father has instilled within the Christ. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power or by the power of his word. Now there's three, four things that you got working for you that comes just out of the character of God that, that just puts us over, over to the other side of, of hoping that we can grab on and understand that we need to, to ditch the self-effort and begin to tap in to what he has provided for us. All right, let me just hit you three. Here's, here's three very descriptive terms about God, and you've probably heard these before, but because these characterize the Father and the Son who upholds everything, upholds the universe, everything that functions and works in the universe, he upholds it by the power of his word. And he can do that, number one, because he's, he's, omn he's omnipotent. That's a theological word that means he's all-powerful. There's no power but him. There's no power but the Father. There's no one manifesting it except through the Son, right? Everything. Jesus said, all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Romans 8.31 says that if God be for us, think about this, let this settle in again. I'm hoping this whole teaching just kind of moves into your consciousness or wherever you're at in this journey. Romans 8.31 says that if God be for us, if this omnipotent power is for us, then what in the heck can be against us? Nothing. Because there's only one power. And that works on your behalf. Number two, he's omniscient. That's a theological word again for being, he knows everything. All, he's filled with all wisdom and knowledge. There's no mind, there's no intellect, there's no source of knowledge, but him. Let me nail it down with a verse or two. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. If you're new to the digital cathedral or you've been following along a few weeks, you probably notice I use the Bible a lot. I'm a Bible guy. Uh, I don't think it's inerrant. I don't think it's infallible. But it contains tremendous revelation and insight that we need to tap into. All right. Romans chapter 11. He's, om he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's the source. Romans chapter uh, 11. And let me come over here, verse 30. Let me read this verse 33 to 36. Oh, the depths and the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God. The depths of it. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. But you see, you don't, you don't find them out intellectually, but he, you find them out through revelation, through disclosure from him to you, from his mouth to your ears. Who has known the mind of the Lord? He goes on to say that, we become his counselor who has first given to him that he hasn't repaid. Verse 36. Here's, here's his omniscience and his omnipotence working in one verse. For of him, source of origination, point of beginning. For of him and through him, he upholds everything. Everything moves through him. Nothing is outside of him. For of him and through him and to him are all things. Do you, do you see that circle there? Everything comes from him, passes through him, and goes back to him. Nothing escapes. Nothing escapes. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. Wherever you're going, wherever you're going today, he's already there. He, and he's with you as you go there. Psalm 139, David said, you know, where can I go from his presence? If I, if I go to the, to the depths of the grave, he's there. If I ascend to the highest mountain, he's there. There's nowhere that I can go that he's not. Now, you can run, but you can't hide because wherever you go, he's there. So these, these three make, make him God. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. And he, he has placed that within the Son. And he's placed, see, the kingdom contains him. So the kingdom that is within you is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. It goes everywhere you go. You can't get away from it. The source of wisdom and knowledge is always residing within you. He is the one power. He is the one mind. He is the one presence. There's none but him. 
You're one with him. Jesus told, that, told us that time and time again. In fact, what is it? John chapter 17, along about verses 21 and verse 23, Jesus said, you know, Father, let them know that I'm in you and you're in me and I'm in them and they're in me and we're all one together. That, that prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17 is all about union. It's all about oneness. It's all about the fact that we have already been predestined to be within him. So we live out of that favor. That's what I'm trying to say this morning. I want, you, I want you to begin to adjust your thinking. Here's a shift. Here's a shift. We shift from labor to grace, to his favor, and the oneness that we have with the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent one. Let me say it again. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he's ever-present. And this one that is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present has deposited within you a kingdom that contains everything you'll ever need. So down the road, when we start moving into some understanding of how to move the unseen to the seen, you're gonna, I'm laying the foundation this morning of the kingdom that is within you, and that's where the focus is to be. Jesus said, seek it first. Get your mind off your needs, your problems that's creating anxiety and stress, and get your mind on the kingdom where there's love, joy, and peace. The, king, the kingdom contains everything you need. So in Matthew 6, we read how the Father takes full responsibility. He takes full responsibility for the birds. And then he says, you're more valuable than the birds. So guess what? He takes full responsibility for you and all he asks is that you rest back into his arms and trust him to do that. The outworking of his favor is demonstrated and sustained when you understand he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. Let, let me read again here from Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8. Let me just back up a couple chapters here. We were reading Romans chapter 8. And verse 29. I want you to see how he cares for you. And he's already, already, you're already in the plan, brother. <laughs> you're not going to get outside of the plan. Everything's from him, through him, to him. Didn't we just read that? Romans 11, 36. Now, he, Paul says it another way here. And I love, I love the security of this. I love the fact that this lets me know uh, it's all good. And he's fully aware of everything. I don't have to ask him for my needs. He already knows what I have needs. He says this, verse 29, for those that he foreknew, he also predestined. He foreknew every one of us. I like to say nobody fell through the cracks. Nobody showed up on the planet and, and the father did a, did a V8 and goes, I can't believe they showed up. I didn't know they were there. He for, everyone that he foreknew, he predestined or he pre-wired. Think of it as predestined, it's pre-wired. He set you up a certain way. And here's what, here, here's what he pre-wired you to be. To be conformed to the image of his son. See, he pre-wired you to be just like Jesus. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're all in there. Our number's in there. Rest in that. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. And those that he called, he justified. And those that he justified, he glorified. He, done, he, put, he put within you the entire package of everything you'll ever need to function perfectly in the kingdom. To move from the unseen to the seen. He put the power, the ability. He put everything in there, man. And we're just now learning how to, how to tap it. Again, he takes responsibility. This was all him. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through verse 31, it's all him. You didn't have anything to do with it. You had nothing to do with your predestination or foreknowledge or calling, justification, glorification. That's everything he did for you on your behalf. Now, to really renew our mind to the fact that we live fully and totally out of all the Father's favor, we need to have confidence and we need to rest in his taking responsibility for us. That is a hard one, especially, you know, especially down here in Texas. We've been raised, man, we're independent. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can do it. Bless God, we're going to move forward. The Christ life demonstrated by the life of Jesus leaned hard into the favor of God. Jesus said 
in both John chapter 14 and, and John chapter 5, this is, this is Jesus leaning in, trusting. He said, I don't do, I, of my own self, I can do nothing. That's a trust, man. Have you come to that place in your life where you can, where you can say, I really can't do anything. I've, I've, I've done some things good. I've been success in some areas, but also really messed up, <laughs> really jacked myself up over here. I, I missed it here. I wish I could redo that. See, Jesus said, I can't on my own self do nothing. There comes a time in your life when you have to say, look, there's a better way to go than my intellect, better way to go than the way that I've been going. Jesus said, I do nothing of myself. And here's where you start drawing on the kingdom. He said, I, I say nothing but what I hear the Father say. That, that means you don't speak till you hear. Now, that doesn't mean you do nothing. That means that you rest. You, 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 your time is listening. And he said, I don't do anything but what I see the Father do at first. So the Father sets the pattern. The Father, the Father sets the progress, the journey, and then we simply respond to it. Back to the tree of life. The tree of life is just the tree of responding. And that's what Jesus, see, Jesus lived the life of simply responding. I only say what I hear the Father say. That's response. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. That's a, that's a response. Of my own self, I can do nothing. I don't, I, don't, I don't try to gauge it or judge it myself. I listen to him. I lean back into him, knowing that he has provided me a kingdom, knowing that he knows everything that I need, knowing that everything is going to be added to me if I can just get the kingdom focused now. Jesus kept a father consciousness, right? He kept a father consciousness. And that's the simple assignment that we have as well. Just to keep a kingdom conscious, keep a father consciousness. We're led by the Spirit. We don't lead the Spirit by our perceptions, our knowledge our logic. We don't lead and then ask God to bless it. Come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to preach good this morning. Many of you have lived that way. You've done what you thought was best, and then you ask God to bless it. That's just bass backwards, you guys. That's just, that's just a reverse of what I'm teaching this morning, what Jesus told us over in Matthew chapter 6. See, we, no, we no longer choose good and evil. Every time... <laughs> Every time you choose good or evil, you empower it. You empower. When, when, you, when you say something is evil or good, you've just empowered it to be that. Right? What, what do we do? We see through the good and evil. Now, stay with me for the next five minutes. I'm going to bring you something you maybe never thought about. We see through the good and evil to the eternal, the unveiled plan of the Father that's a higher dimension than good or evil. You begin, to, you begin to let the Father's mind become your mind. Let that mind of Christ begin to demonstrate. And that mind is higher than, than good or evil. All right, Philippians chapter 4. I don't know if I'm, I'm getting through to you on this. Man, you probably, I say this every week, it seems, but you need to go back and listen to this a couple times because you're not going to get it all. And I, I want, you know, I, I never want you to just accept something because I say it. I always tell you to go back, crock pot it, meditate it, think about it, and let the Father show you. All right. We see through those things. So here, here's, a, here's an illustration. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, nothing. Don't let anything make you uptight. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, you, you don't get it, man. You, can't, you cannot explore the depths of his peace. That will guard, that peace will guard. That means it will stand in front of. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> now, you cannot see peace. What you see is the fruit of the anxiety, of the stress. And he said, don't be anxious for anything. All right? Now, we're going to bring something from the unseen to negate that, which is peace. You cannot see peace. 
You bring peace from the unseen to the seen and it manifests. It guards your heart and mind. So when something comes that wants to make you anxious, peace says, no way. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule is the word umpire in the Greek. It means umpire. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. When something comes to you that's not going to bring peace, let the peace rule. Say, no, out. Go. Out. You're out of here. That's what an umpire does. Umpire says, out, safe, touchdown, no touchdown, right? So let peace do that. Always... Let, let what comes through from the outside come through that filter of peace. Back to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, don't be anxious for what you wear, what you eat, where you're going to sleep. He said, Daddy knows those things about you. He's going to take care of it. He'll take responsibility if you'll let him. Everything you need is within the kingdom. So you bring from the unseen to the seen. What, what you meditate on. Is your, earlier I asked, is your focus, your consciousness, your awareness on the kingdom or on what you need? Because what you meditate on will drop into your heart and it will grow. It'll grow. Your heart, your heart is a neutral force. Your heart will grow anything you plant in it. You plant fear in your heart, that fear will grow. It'll grow so big, it will dominate you in everything that you do. But through that eighth verse of Philippians chapter 4 that we just read, the heart begins to grow the peace that you put in there. You plant those seeds of peace. You guard your heart with peace. And peace will not let those seeds of anxiety, of doubt, of fear, of lack, they will not let it take, take place. Now, I'm gonna, now listen, I'm gonna, this is what I want to get at right here. This is an important part of the teaching this morning. Hebrews chapter 5. I've been talking to you about eating from the right tree, about tapping into the kingdom, about focus, about consciousness. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. I'm giving you, I'm giving you solid food this morning. And some of you are getting it because you're mature. You're more mature. Some of you are going, man, I don't get what he's talking about. That's why I say, listen again, listen again, and listen, not here. Listen in here. If it resonates, cook it. Crockpot it. Who are foolish. That is, those who by reason, now watch, I'll listen very carefully. Who, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Notice, notice he didn't say discern it so that you could shun the evil and choose the good. See, that's the wrong tree. He did say that have your senses exercised. They're under the control of your spirit. You're, you're manifesting as a son under your sonship. And you, you discern this is good and this is evil. But listen to me, when you discern without choosing, we will do what Jesus did and not give evil or good a power. What empowers, what empowers evil is when you not only discern it, you choose it. Now you can look at things, I can look at things in, in you know, here in America, I know some of you are, are, are watching from other countries, I can look at our government. I can look at things in that. I can discern. But what I'm not to do is to choose it. Because as soon as I choose it, I empower it. I give it life that it has no life. There's only one power. The only power is the word of the Father that directed him. The only word that had power in life of Jesus was a life that directed him. And that was higher than good and evil. Jesus saw evil around him. <clears throat> he discerned he discerned evil in the Pharisees, religious evil, but he did not he did not choose he did not choose it, he didn't empower it. If anything, he took the power from it. Jesus demonstrated that living a life out of favor is far more advantageous than living a life out of natural works. Now here's why it's important. When you live a life I'm talking about this morning, it leads you to a life of intimacy with the Father and a continual 
practice of being in his presence. When you live in the presence of the Father, you will discern, but not empower, evil and good. You don't make those choices. You respond to his voice. He'll show you. He'll show you. He will speak to you. He will direct you. When you discern good from evil, don't choose it yourself. Let him, let him lay out the path. Let him guide your steps. Steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Let him order the steps. Let him show you how to deal with it. No, no condemnation to this. No guilt in what I'm going to ask you right now. Jesus demonstrated that living a life out of favor and not by the natural, it works. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is carnal, it's temporary. The tree of life is eternal. It's the kingdom supply. It's responding to the voice of the Father. This creates intimacy. It creates a level of consciousness that you can carry every day. So here's no condemnation. I want to ask you a question. Honestly, how much of your day let me put it, let me include me. How much of our day are we aware, consciously aware of the presence of the Father? How much are we aware during the day of our oneness of Him? That's the tree of life. Jesus' secret of bringing into the seen from the unseen, of tapping the full supply of the kingdom was in, was to never lose contact with the Father. He was father conscious 24-7. He's always closer than our next breath. He's closer than awareness would even try to lead us to believe. But here's what happens. Our mind drifts off in a lot of different directions during the day. The mind is fed all kinds of data from our five physical senses, what you hear, what you, what you feel, what you touch, what you, you know. All five physical senses feeding us data constantly, constantly, constantly. And the mind has a natural propensity to make a choice, thereby empowering good and evil, based on the data that your five senses feed it. <coughs> the tree of life doesn't go that route. Are you catching that this morning? <coughs> we cannot pull from the tree of life. We cannot pull from the spirit, from the unseen when most of the day is spent over here battling what we see and empowering it, giving it life, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are times you're going to have to pull your mind out of that mess. There are going to be times that you're going to have to catch yourself thinking, I'm empowering that thing that I don't want any part of. I'm empowering that fear. Doctor comes in and says, I got bad news for you. All right. Now, immediately, your senses have, are, are on high alert, and they're feeding your mind. And the doctor says, I, you're, you're going to need the surgery. There's no way around this. You're going to have to take this, this treatment. So immediately, you've empowered that, just what he told you. There's a difference between fact and truth. The fact is, maybe what he's telling you is a fact, but the truth is <clears throat> what the Father says. <coughs> Fact is, you may be sick, but the truth is you're healed. Truth always trumps fact. It's where your consciousness is. It's where your focus is. Listen, listen. What we need to do is rest. We need to put our mind on oneness. We need to put our mind on union. We need to put our mind on the Father's omnipotence, His omniscience, His omnipresence. We need to focus on an invisible kingdom where there's an unlimited supply, an invisible supply, and it's all within us. You have been given. Your Bible says you have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. It has already been created. And the way we begin to tap, and this is just first step, we're just on the outside, we're just on, on the <clears throat> outliers of the city. We're just on outside the city limits. But the way it begins is you begin to listen to that voice that is within, inside of you, and you don't busy yourselves, not even loudly quoting scripture. I did that so long, thought I would build faith. No. Faith comes by hearing, all right? Hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But the, the, the word that builds faith is the word that God speaks to you. It's not just parroting scripture. When his voice speaks, you're going to know it. 
You will know that you know that you know. You'll, you, you, your sensitivity is going to continue to grow and increase. And once he speaks that word to you, be like Jesus. I only say what I hear the Father say. There might, there might be times, and I'm not, not telling you to do this. I'm just saying you need to be very perceptive. Might be times the doctor says you need to get on this medication and there's something you said, no, 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 don't do it. That truth is higher than the fact that the doctor's speaking. The Father sent the word, Jesus, in flesh form. And it did not return void. It accomplished everything that it was sent to do, which is to plant within us the kingdom, to plant within us the, total, the totality of the resource of Father himself. The, the Garden of Eden is within you. It's, it was given by grace. It was given by favor because the Father wanted to give it to you even as he did Adam, the Garden of Eden, and even as he placed Jesus within the kingdom as an example for us how we are to demonstrate and how we are to live our life. That word did not return void. In fact, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, to throw logs under our feet, to make the going rough. He did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but so that through his son, through Jesus, the entire cosmos would be saved. And you know what that, you know what that word saved right there is? It means wholeness. It means stability. It means deliverance. It means prosperity. Everything that the Father has put within the garden, that's, that's what saved means. It's not just a ticket to heaven. That's what the church has made it to be. Saved is, saved is not your ticket to heaven, and a get-out-of-jail-free card so you don't have to go to hell. That's not what saved is. They've messed that term up. They've stolen it, and it's time to restore it because it is the totality of the kingdom life that rests within you that you can draw and begin to let be your sufficiency. All right, that's enough for this morning. We attach the car to the train. Next week, we're going to go further with this. You don't want to miss any Sundays at the Digital Cathedral. In fact, these are good teachings to bring a friend in on because everybody wants to know how to live out of the kingdom, but nobody's telling you how to do it. I'm getting down to the nuts and the bolts where the rubber meets the road, and we're talking about real things in real life. Amen? Not theory. Not theory. This is, this, this is where we live, and that's what the Father wants us to learn. Amen? All right. See you next Sunday, Digital Cathedral. Thank you for being with me. See you Wednesday night at the secret place and don't forget man we're coming up on tv i sure hope i sure hope you uh partner with me i need some help in that area we're doing it by faith because i heard the voice within say get my get my message of grace inclusion fatherhood of god unconditional love mercy that endures forever get that message out into the nations and we're going to do it so father may move on your heart to partner with us let's do it together Amen? All right, see you next time. God bless. Have a great week. Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder. Our digital cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth, and for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.